It's episode 28 of the Toadstool Boardroom for the week of January 25th, 2023. It's our first show of the year. My name's Logan Plant, and I'm not joined by Chris or Odell today. I'm joined by a very special guest, Megan Sullivan. Hi, Megan. Hi, how are you? Great. Why don't you introduce yourselves to the listeners? Sure. I'm Megan Sullivan. I am the creator, host, and producer of History and Games, which is an audio and video podcast where I play video games and then talk about the real stories and history found in your favorite games. I also do a lot of freelance RPG reviews. So if you go to my YouTube channel at Meg Sullivan, you'll see a gazillion videos about the best RPGs. I was going to say, if you hear the name Megan Sullivan, you probably think RPG. That is definitely <laughs> the brand you're most associated with. And we got a brand new RPG to talk about today, which is why I asked you on the show, and that is Fire Emblem Engage. came out just last Friday on Nintendo Switch. I am 18 hours into it. I finished up Chapter 10 late last night. How far are you so far, Megan? Uh, I literally just got to Chapter 20 last night. Whoa, you are plowing through the game. Well, I don't know if I like, I, I saw people on message boards where they're like, they got to chapter 20 days ago, and I'm like, how is that yeah. possible? Like, you can't plow your way through this game at all. So I am playing on hard and classic is the difficulty settings I chose. How about you? Uh, because I'm doing review, and unfortunately I did not get a review code early, I'm having to play on the easier settings so I can get through it a little faster and get my review up. But I do plan to go back... And play on the hardest difficulty, which is a tradition that I do, and every time I end up crying because it's so hard. <laughs> so, what? In it's a good way. Maddening in this one? That's the hardest yeah, one? Yeah, it used to be called Lunatic Mode, and then they changed it to Maddening. So, are you playing with Permadeath, or are you playing on Casual, where your units come back? Uh, I'm playing on Casual because I have to get through the review faster, and I, I'm too proud to let my, my units, my precious units, die. So, yeah. that's why I have to play a second round on like the hardest difficulty, and then Permadeath, and like really have that stressful experience that only Fire Emblem can give you. Absolutely. So before we kind of dive into Engage, I think for this one specifically, in a post-Three Houses world, it's it's kind of important to set contact context with your history with the series, because a lot of people I'm seeing not enjoy this game are new to the series from Fire Emblem Three Houses, and this strips away a lot of the social elements from that game. And then I, I'm seeing a lot of longtime fans really enjoy Engage, and it's kind of returned back to the, the basics of the strategy-focused Fire Emblem game. And from the sounds of it, you're a longtime Fire Emblem fan, so kind of what's your history with the series, and what's what are your favorite Fire Emblem games? Um, so I actually came into the Fire Emblem franchise with Fire Emblem Awakenings. I think that it was kind of the thing that a lot of people got on board. I missed the, there were a couple of GBA games, right, that, yeah. that got localized. And I missed those. So I actually came in with Fire Emblem Awakening, and then I played, I reviewed actually Fates. And I uh, loved Fire Emblem Three Houses to death. I put, put like 200 hours into it. Uh, and so I, as someone who's played enough of the Fire Emblem games, I'm enjoying the kind of fan service of this game, but mostly just the sort of very meaty strategy and customization you can do in this game. I think if you're someone who plays for the story and character aspects, which I do a lot of the time, it's, it's disappointing, which we can get into. But if you play for the strategy, you're probably having a good time. Yeah, and I personally do play pretty much exclusively for the strategy. Uh, I love the tactics of Fire Emblem. I also started with Awakening, like 
I think most Fire Emblem fans around now did. Uh, and I played all three branches of Fates. I I had an unfortunate kind of save file situation with Shadows of Valentia where my save is like right before this really hard skirmish that I can't get out of and I can't move oh, anywhere else geez. on the map. So that file's kind of done. I never went back and finished that. And then I just played one route of Three Houses and I've said it on the show before. I'm actually not the biggest fan of Three Houses. I found the... I did play it on normal and classic, but I found kind of the map design very kind of bland compared to the 3DS titles. I think that the mission objectives was basically kill the enemy commander every single time, and it was just too easy for me and wasn't really what I personally look for for in a Fire Emblem game. So I'm enjoying Engage actually a lot more than Three Houses because I think that its its maps are very good. I am playing on hard, so that is bumping up the difficulty and, and making a lot of these encounters a lot more intense. But yeah, I think that this just feels really like Awakening. Like it is the most back to basics game we've had in a long time because Fates, you had the three paths. It was like three full campaigns in one and it took like a hundred hours to get yourself through all three of those. And then Shadows of Valentia had the two armies that you swap back and forth between. And then Three Houses, of course, had the four paths, another one if you played the DLC. So for me, it's really nice to go back to just this. You've got a world map, you've got one army, you go from chapter to chapter. Yes, there's some in-between stuff at the Somnio, which we'll talk about, but I personally am really liking the kind of more focused approach. And I think having this offering on Switch alongside Three Houses, I think the two complement each other really nicely. You have the more social focused one and then the more combat focused game. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that Fire Emblem Three Houses didn't have any particularly memorable maps, uh, whereas this one has some some pretty unique. I don't want to spoil it because I'm, I'm a little ahead of you, but there's some cool maps that I just came across. I was like, all right, that's kind of fun. Um, and uh, I do admit that I do play these games for the social kind of character aspect because mm-hmm. it is a role-playing game. And I like getting immersed in the, the story and characters. So I was worried I was not going to like Fire Emblem Awakening. Um, I'm curious to know what you think of the story and characters. I find them pretty forgettable and bland, to be honest. Like, nothing is really standing out to me at all. I feel like when I finish this game, I'm going to forget all their names, whereas I, whereas I can tell you all the names of every student in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, but in terms of just, like, the meatiness of the gameplay and the complexity of everything that you can do and still be kind of friendly towards, I don't know, some people might disagree, but I think the tutorial is very clear. So I think that if you're a newcomer, if you just sort of pay attention to the tutorial, uh, it, it is a, it can still be an entry point into the series. Yeah, I absolutely think so. We actually got a question about that on Twitter. A, a fan wrote us and said, as I pull it up here, this comes from Jay, and Jay says, as someone that has never played a Fire Emblem game, or an SRPG for that fact, which Fire Emblem game would you recommend to play first? Would Fire Emblem Heroes give me a good demonstration of the Fire Emblem gameplay? And that is the mobile game. And Jay, I'm going to tell you, I think Engage is the place to start as we kind of get into the gameplay here. I think that a lot of people would say Awakening. And if you have a 3DS and don't have Awakening, you should go download it because the shops close in about two months. And that game is pretty expensive physically. But I think that Engage with its kind of classic and casual choices and the normal mode Uh, And the rewind feature, which is something that Awakening does not have. I think that Engage really is a good place to start. We've played pretty much the same Fire Emblems. What do you think, Megan? No, I agree with that. I think having that kind of ability to go backwards in time. Did that start with Echoes? Was that Mila's Wheel? Yes. Is that the mechanic? Mm -hmm. 
And so I actually thought that was pretty genius. And if you're really hardcore, you can completely ignore this mechanic if you really want. But I have found that I sometimes get hasty on the battlefield and I'll like hit the wrong button. And I'm like, no, 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 I didn't want you to do that. So having the ability to like go back a few steps and like try again is one because I I think we don't talk about this enough as Fire Emblem fans, but we all sort of have had that map where we soft reset the game because we made a stupid mistake. And if you have permadeath on, you're just like, oh, yeah, I really needed that character. That was a dumb mistake. So if you make a mistake on the battlefield, if you're not sure how things are going to turn out, having that ability to replay your last few moves is I think it I think it makes it more approachable for uh, for people who are new to strategy games. And and this is something really important to me with Fire Emblem and and talking to Jay here who sent in this question who's never played a Fire Emblem, play on classic mode. I really think that is the way to play Fire Emblem. The rewind mechanic makes it way more welcoming. And this is something I want to address because I see a lot of people say, well, if you're just going to rewind or if you're just going to reset the game, then what's the point of the permadeath? And and really, if you think about kind of the tactics gameplay it totally changes the game if you're playing on casual or classic. And this is an important distinction because on, on classic, you can't just send anybody in to do as much damage as they can until they drop like you can in casual. In casual, you can take your best units, have them take out three or four enemies, and then if they die, it's fine. You can just send in the next the next person to fight until they drop. In classic, you have to play as if you can't lose anybody because if you do, you're going to have to rewind or reset and it just totally changes the gameplay. So I think if you've never played a Fire Emblem game before, you should play on normal and classic with the rewind and engage. And I think that will give you the best idea of kind of how Fire Emblem works. I don't have enough experience with Heroes, the mobile game, to really say if it's a good demonstration of Fire Emblem. I played it for about a year and it's fun. And I think as it is a mobile game, it has to be a little more approachable. But if you really want the Fire Emblem experience... I would go ahead and and try out Fire Emblem Awakening. Unfortunately, it doesn't have a demo. I wish it did, because I think that if you had the right maps and the right classes and introduced newcomers that way, they could they could make a decision yeah. and then they'll be like, oh wow, this is really cool. I'll get the full game. Um, but I, you know, I think you want the full Fire Emblem experience, and that you know, Awakening might be a, a good way to get that. Yeah. So engage or Awakening. I think both of those. Are, are the places to start. I don't, I don't know about Three Houses. If you really care about the socializing, if you want to kind of build relationships with your army and kind of learn the stories of the characters on the battlefield, that's the place to start. But I don't know. I, I, I guess it depends yeah. on... No, three, um, three Houses is definitely my favorite by far. Um, I absolutely love that game. And so uh, technically, actually, if, if you're... If you're the kind of person who plays role-playing games, like you really, really love the story, it's just as important. Because I, I still really, really like the mechanics of Fire Emblem Three Houses. I still think it's a really good game. So if you play for the story aspect and the characters, that is definitely by far the one you want to start with. But if you're more into this, like if, if the strategy part of it and the customization part of it appeals to you more, then I would say Fire Emblem Awakening. And the, the thing that's interesting about Three Houses is that People, people I've heard that love it, like you're saying you love it. You also said you put over 200 hours into it. It is a tall order if you want to see all of the paths because it takes about 30 to 50 hours per route and there are four of them. And unless you complete all four, you're not really getting told a complete story. Like there are 
cliffhangers and things left unanswered in each path that then you have to play the other paths to find out. Uh, and that's something that, as someone who didn't totally fall in love with the game and didn't want to commit that much time to play all of the routes, I felt a little bit unsatisfied by the end of it, just because I felt like there are a lot of unanswered questions, and I, I personally didn't want to play the game an entire another time through just to get those answers. I, th- I mean, I, I'm curious to know what route you chose. Like, which house did you go with? The Golden Deer. Oh, well, yeah, I'll be honest. That's probably my least favorite route. I, I always recommend people do the Blue Lions route first. That is, that is a really excellent story. It cuts out all the kind of magical gobbledygook. That doesn't really make any sense, yeah. and it just focuses. It's more Game of Thrones, and it has a beginning, middle, and end. So I would I would recommend that route for anyone who hasn't played Three Houses. Go with that route because that's my favorite house. And I think it also has just really awesome classes. Felix alone is 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 worth joining the Blue Lions for. He's he's unstoppable on the battlefield. Felix is my sister's favorite Fire Emblem character, and she also, like you, played uh, Three Houses for like 200 hours. Yeah. So that's two endorsements <laughs> for the Blue Lions. But let's get into let's get into Engage's gameplay because I really think that is where this new entry shines. And yeah, the tactics have just been very, very satisfying to me so far. The the revamped weapon triangle, which was removed from Three Houses and restored here in Engage, it's back, and they've also changed it with this break mechanic where Swords break axes, axes break lances, and lances break swords. And that means that if you attack an axe wielder with a sword, with some exceptions like heavy armored units, they are broken and they cannot counterattack for the remainder of that turn. So you can send in someone with the weapon advantage to break them, and then you can kind of surround them on all sides and attack them with other enemies, even enemies that have a disadvantage. And then they deal damage without having the worry of a counterattack. And that is something, that is a very small change that I kind of makes you rethink how you set up your army and who you send off with who. Like, most missions give you 10 units that you can select. And I kind of do two of each weapon type for six, and then I have two healers and two archers. And then you kind of just send off units of five and five to the left half of the map and the right half of the map, and they're all kind of working together, and they each have their own part to play. And I have just found that very satisfying with the restored weapon triangle. Yeah, I'm glad that they brought the weapons triangle back. For those who don't know, they took it out of three houses, and I never really understood why. That really threw me for a okay. loop. Um, but they put it back here, and you know, if you're new to Fire Emblem, pay attention to the weapons triangle. It will it will mean the difference between life and death in certain situations. Yeah, and they really label everything really nicely on the map in this game. You can see kind of in the bottom left corner of each square that has a unit standing it, what weapon they're wielding, and it will even have a little break icon. If you select the unit you're moving, you'll see a little like break icon on all the units that you can go up and break. And so even if you don't have everything memorized, you don't know all the advantages, everything like that, uh, the game tells you and, and it tells you pretty clearly. I think that the the UI in this game is really improved, that you can see what all your attacks will do, every character's stats of yours, every enemy's stats, all their skills, every item they have in their inventory, you can see it all. And I think that that makes it easy to plan out these battles when I have kind of felt in past games, you're like kind of guessing a little bit more in some of the older games at what exactly is going to happen in each encounter. Uh, you still kind of know, but this one lays it out, I think, clearer than ever before in the series. No, I agree. The UI is really vastly improved along with like the battle animations, which are super, super smooth. So 
I, I do like that you can see things. And of course, if you're like me, you scout the battlefield, yeah. see what units are, enemy units are on the battlefield, and then be like, okay, I see a lot of uh, flying units. I'm going to bring my most powerful archers and wreak havoc on the battlefield. Um, and just, uh, you know, if if you've got axes, you bring in your swords, you know, to counteract them. So it's, what is it? Swords, tomes over axes, bows, axes, bows over lances and hidden weapons and hidden weapons like, like daggers and lances over tomes and swords. Do I have yeah. that right? Yeah. And uh, the, the new like melee weapons, like the unarmed breaks, the tomes, the hidden weapons. And the yes, that yes, cannot forget about that. And I love that uh I love that healers are not completely like vulnerable in this game. I thought that was a huge change. Now now you have chi adepts and they're actually really, you know, useful on the battlefield, not just hiding behind everybody else healing. Yeah, there's a couple of there's those two new mechanics that I think are really, really cool. It's that new chi adept healer class that can do what's called, I think, a, a chain break. Where they, chain, I think it's chain guard. Chain guard, that's right. And then sorry, I shouldn't have corrected you. <laughs> is the other one? Yeah, I can't remember the names, but they can basically stand adjacent to a unit and use this chain guard on them, and that means the first attack that the unit that they choose to guard takes each turn, the healer instead absorbs that hit and takes just a small fraction of their health off, not even the full weight of the blow. So basically what you can do is you can hit this button in Fire Emblem where you can see uh, where units can go. And you can put like a unit just one square at risk and then put your healer just outside of that square of risk and then you can kind of draw all the enemy units over to you. And I do that all the time at the start of a map when I don't want to move everybody into a dangerous territory, right? You just kind of, you just kind of bait them by putting one unit in the danger zone you can chain guard them and then everybody comes to you. And that's just one option. There's a lot of different ways to use it. And then there's the chain attack is another new mechanic in this game where certain classes can do a follow-up attack if they are standing within range of a unit that you are attacking. So say you have two axe wielders standing adjacent to this, this character that you're targeting and you take a sword wielder, you run up and you attack them. Before the sword wielder does their main attack, the two axe wielders standing adjacent to your target will come in and just do like two, three, or four points of damage. Like it's not very much, but in Fire Emblem, two points of damage can make a huge difference because there are so many times in these games where it's like, man, I really want to take out this unit, but as of now, it's going to stay alive with one hit of health. And if it has at least one HP, that means it's dealing another attack to me. And that can be a big deal. So just getting these extra few points of damage off, that has been super fun, particularly against bosses, to kind of try and surround them with, with as many units that are able to do this kind of support attack uh, at a time so you can take them out in fewer turns. Yeah, I just had that uh, experience last night where there was a, I'm not going to spoil who it is, but it was a super hard boss and my unit hit them and I thought that they were going to die and they had one HP left and I was like, oh no, I might be in trouble here. Luckily, I had someone hit them from afar, but there was it got real dicey there for a second because I didn't think they'd survive and it looked like the health bar was completely gone. It turns out they had one HP left and I was like... <gasps> That's awesome. That, that can be really dangerous. So you're right. Like even a point or two can make a huge difference. Yeah. The, there are really tense moments in this campaign so far, and I'm just 10 chapters in playing on hard, but there have been like really close moments where I'm like, I need a lucky critical hit here. I, I pick a weapon that has like a 30% chance and basically I need it or I'm going to have to rewind or restart the fight and I get it. And it's just, 
super exciting feeling when something like that lands. But let's talk about the engage ring mechanics. This is the, the emblem rings are the new kind of main mechanic to the combat of Fire Emblem Engage. And this is where 12 heroes from past Fire Emblem games are back. You can wear or you can equip these rings to characters. You start with three. As you work your way with the campaign, you earn more. And I wanted to mention this off the top. If you've never played a Fire Emblem game before, you're not missing much in the way of fan service. Because yes, these characters are returning, but basically all of the ones that you'll recognize are in Smash Brothers. So if you've played Smash Brothers, you'll know Marth, you'll know Roy, Lucina, um, Corrin, Byleth, and Ike. And then most of the rest of them are in games that were never localized outside of Japan. So really, if you've played Smash Brothers, you kind of know these characters. You may not know their stories, but there's not much in the way of characterization of the emblems in Fire Emblem Engage. They are pretty much just personas that you summon and they fight with you. Do you think I'm wrong in that? Or do you really think there's not much to the story of these returning characters? There's not much of a story to any of these characters yeah. is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is one of the more disappointing aspects of you have this uh, opportunity to really geek out over these um, emblem heroes that you call. And even though, okay, a lot of them, they come from games that you're like, I don't know who this character is supposed to be or why I care about them. But then you'll get someone like Byleth from Three Houses and even then, you don't really get into their story all that much. They make vague references to what happened in Three Houses. And you're like, well, that's kind of lame. And conversations are more like a few passing sentences as people walk by you kind of thing. So you don't have to know these characters to enjoy the game. Because honestly, they the introductions are short and brief. And they are, they're really like personas that you equip and you know use their special skills and abilities. And it's more about more focused on that than their actual personalities. Yeah, but the abilities they do give you in combat are very, very cool. They are super powerful. Basically how this works is uh, for whatever character has this emblem ring equipped, they can engage with the emblem and then use their abilities for three turns. And those abilities are either passive skills, it's just like, oh, you're more powerful, you can move further, things like that. And they also have one big attack that you can use one time for every time that you engage. And, and these are some of the coolest parts of the game. Like, there's one emblem character that has a move called Warp Ragnarok, where you can warp across a huge chunk of the map, almost the entire thing, like over 50% of it, and then do a very powerful magic attack on a single enemy. And there's another one who can charge through an entire line of enemies. So if there's like three enemies lined up back to back to back squares, you can do a devastating attack that just rips right through all three of them. And then there's other attacks that are just special against like one enemy. You can attack like six times in a row. And these are very powerful, but you have to be very smart about when you use them because you can only use them one time per engage. And I was really worried about this mechanic going into the game. I was worried it was going to be overpowered and not, and it was going to break the balance of the game. And I'm happy to say that that doesn't really happen. They are very strong, but at least in my experience playing on hard, you have to be really smart about when you use it, because if you use it too early and then you don't have it later on when you would really like to have it, uh, you can, you can find yourself in a tough spot. How have the, emblem ring mechanics been on normal difficulty um on normal difficulty like you don't really need to engage all that much for like the first half of a map it, you you really can just save it for the boss but in the later chapters it, it starts getting a lot tougher 
And so you do kind of want to use them wisely because you're all, you're up against multiple bosses at once and they all um well I, it's not really a spoiler cuz it was in the it was in the it was in the previews but they at one point they also can use fire emblem hero rings yep. and they can turn something like Ragnarok against you and these powerful skills against you and it's pretty terrifying so you want to use the emblem rings you have to counteract that but in the meantime you have to get through a swarm of other enemies that they themselves can get pretty tricky so you got to bring your a game even in normal difficulty yeah the last i think two or three chapters i've done have been the first time where the enemy has been able to use the 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 ring mechanics against me and it is very terrifying when that power is coming at you from the other side I recent I did one where the boss can snipe you with arrows from all the way across the map, basically, and it's just scary not knowing who they're going to target and how much damage it's going to do. The first time they did it, it actually killed one of my units, so I had to rewind, and then you had to kind of like tiptoe around the map for the the rest of the battle. So that has been very cool how they do turn that power against you, and rather than just becoming OP and you able to take anything out, it it really does feel balanced when the enemy army can also use it against you. So that I've been a big fan of. The one thing that I have not liked with the emblem rings is how much maintenance you have to do on your party between the battles that to me is a little bit overbearing. And you're much more of an RPG fan, so maybe you've been digging all this. But in between battles at the Somniel, which is your home base, it's kind of the equivalent of the monastery from three houses, but much smaller and much less to do. But there's just kind of a lot of in-between battle maintenance you have to do. You can you can go to the arena and train up a little bit. You can cook a meal to get a buff for the next battle. You can go and forge new rings that non-emblem rings that the members of your party that don't have the pairings with one of the fire emblem characters can wear to get minor stat boosts. And there's just kind of a lot of what to me feels like busy work to do. Uh, and when I compare it to something like Monster Hunter, I'm a huge Monster Hunter fan, and there is that loop of go out, kill the monster, come back, kind of get everything in order to go back and do it again. But when you're in the flow in Monster Hunter, it takes like two to three minutes to do when you're, when you're back at camp and you got to eat, you got to restock your items, you got to see if you can forge anything new, and then you're basically back out there. But in this, it feels like, to do everything, to talk to everybody, do the support conversations, pick up all the items that have spawned around the Somnial. It takes like 10 minutes, and I guess to me it's just really repetitive in between every single battle you do, and I'm just kind of over it around the halfway point of the game. Well, I did, there's, there's a lot more to do, by the way. Um, if you want to power up your Emblem Heroes weapons. There's also the, I don't know if you've unlocked it yet, but the Tower of Trials. Yeah, I haven't done, which any, you get I haven't done special, anything there yet, but I do have it. Which is, on the one hand, it offers even more unique maps and, you know, test your might kind of situations where you have to win multiple battle maps at once and you can adjust the difficulty and make it really, really hard, but you get really, really big rewards um, but it can be sometimes a tedious process to collect all these crystals to augment your hero's weapons. And it is it is it is pretty time consuming. And it's a little annoying that this you have to go to the tower trials to get these crystals. I haven't found any other way to get them. Whereas, you know, if you want bond fragments, there are tons of different ways to get bond fragments, 
which you can use to create bond rings, which aren't as powerful as emblem hero rings, but they do give your characters a good stat boost, especially if you get duplicates and you up the letter ranking for that particular bond ring. Um, but, you know, I agree with you that there's like a lot of busy work. Like you have to gather all these fragments and, you know, you have to, in order to do that, you have to talk to people after battles and they'll give you battle fragments. There's a mini game you can play in the Somniel. There's, you know, like there's just a ton of different ways to get it, but you have to stop and do that. And then you have to stop and go to the arena. And like every time I come back from a battle, go to the arena, uh, get a little more experience for some of my players who have been benched, but I still want them around. Also, you know, like upping your bond level with, you know, like Marth and Byleth and everyone. It's just, it does take a lot of time. I wish, I wish it was slightly more efficient. But, I mean, it's it's typical for SRPGs. I mean, I just played Tactics Ogre Reborn and literally half that 65, 70-hour experience. No, I think it played for, like, 80 hours. It was just maintenance and refining weapons and, uh, you know, making sure my units had the best armor possible. It's It's a lot of downtime in these games. Yeah, and I understand that maybe they don't want people to get burned out either on the just battle to battle because the battles are, like, they are mentally exhausting, like... I find that I'm staying up way too late playing this game because, and this always happens to me with Fire Emblem, but because I'm like, oh, I'll just do one more battle. And then the battle takes like 90 minutes because you just have to be so careful in what you're doing in some of these harder levels. And I get them not wanting to just throw you from encounter to encounter and have a little bit something to do. But also to me, it almost feels like they wanted the Somniel gameplay for the marketing campaign where it was like, oh, remember running around the monastery? playing minigames, talking to your army in three houses, that's still in here too. But what is actually here is a very watered-down version of all of that. And it just doesn't add much for me. But at the same time, it does feel essential because, like you said, you can go to the arena and get, if you're lucky, like almost an entire level for one of your characters that is lagging behind a little bit uh, in, in leveling up. And you have to do that. Like, you need to keep your army up to snuff and... So you have to stop by the arena, do these three battles and watch them and do everything else while you're there. It just takes a while and isn't super, I guess, engaging. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Should we talk about the story? Uh, Sure. Well, such as it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, You've alluded to a few times. uh, You're pretty disappointed with the narrative and characterization here, it seems. It, it's just, there's just not much to it. I mean, it's exactly what you've heard about in the previews and you've seen. You're the divine dragon. You're the good dragon. You take on a bad dragon and then you acquire over 30 allies and all of them geek out over you being the divine dragon. I mean, they're all creepy super fans. There's no, there's none of the dynamic or dichotomy of the characters, uh, like in three houses where Byleth has to earn their trust. They don't trust each other. Their relationships are very complex where here everyone seems to get along and all love the divine dragon. And, you know, it's, it's a typical good guy versus bad guy. And even the twists that have come across, I mean, if you've played as many RPGs as I have, you're like, I already saw that coming. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm still waiting for, I'm on chapter 20 and between, I think it's 25, 26 chapters altogether. Like, I'm still waiting for a twist to catch me off guard. But it's very straightforward. Excuse me. And um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you're coming off of something as kind of deep and complex as Three Houses in terms of story and characters, 
um, it's it it's hard not to be let down. Yeah, the story is definitely sidelined in this game, and I think that's what we talked about at the top of this is that the tactics gameplay is really really great. I think that this might be my favorite playing Fire Emblem that I've personally ever played. I just love how it plays. I love the new wrinkles they've added to the strategy. I think it's great. But then the story might be the weakest of any of the Fire Emblems that I have played. And I guess it it does just really matter what you care about. I personally don't really care. It's, yeah, it's a classic adventure fair, whatever. Um, The characters aren't super deep. The support conversations, I think, are more shallow than they've ever been. They're, like, all about, like, tea or working out or that's, like, it. Like, those are the main two things that so many of them are about. There are other ones, obviously, but, like, they're just very surface level. Like, in Three Houses, characters did have backstories that we learned about, like, what families they came from, what they did before, things like that. And in this, there's really none of that. Uh, And then, yeah, the overarching plot has been very simple. I just got to a, what seemed like it was supposed to be this big reveal, and I was like, yeah, duh, that's, like, super obvious. That's where they were going (laughs) at this midpoint of the game. Uh, But there's not that much of it. Like, it really doesn't take that long to get through the cutscenes. Like, they're not super overbearing. I think it would be worse if it was, like, these five-minute cutscenes constantly. But what is there is, it's not great. There's some of it I've actually liked. There's these four different kingdoms in this world, and you go to you go to the one on the bottom left, bottom left of the map first, and um, you kind of meet the prince and princess there. And I think that they're decently interesting. I think that the two princes in the in Brodia, the top left kingdom, are decently interesting in their dynamic <laughs> with their father. But that's that's about as much as I can say in positively yeah. about it. Like it's not great, but I haven't minded some of the characters. Yeah, you'll you'll eventually gain a couple of characters who will have conflict with other characters and it'll come up in their support conversations. And then it gets interesting because now you have an opportunity for character growth and growth in a relationship, not just like, oh, I noticed you like this kind of tea. I like this kind of tea, too. Well, let's have a tea party. And then that's the end of the conversation. And you're just like, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My I guess minor spoilers for a support conversation I had, but there's not really a spoiler because like nothing happens. Um, I got to support level A with uh, ATA, who is the archer that you get from the first region of the game. She is like right. my, my best unit. She is great. And so with A layer, the main character, I got them to A because I usually send them off together. And the first conversation was like, oh, divine dragon, you need to run. And then you need to run more for fitness. And then the B level was like, let's go on a run together. And then the A level was like, wasn't that great running together? And I was like, wow, A levels used to be like way more in depth than this. But that's kind of all you're getting with a lot of the relationships here. And like you said, with Aelir specifically, most of the conversations are just about how much they love him uh, or her, if you pick the female version. And I found that very strange. That, like, that's it. That's kind of all the characterization that they have. Yeah, I, I played two characters where I got to their B rank, and they had the exact same reaction of, like, their C rank, they were geeking out over the Divine Dragon, and the Divine Dragon was like, that's a little intense. They're like, yeah! And then B rank, she's like, can you stop being creepy? And then they burst into tears and run away. Like, both totally separate characters did the exact same thing, and I'm like, <laughs> I guess the A rank is going to be them, like, making... Up, yeah. I mean, it's like it, it was so weird. I'm like, but I just had this conversation with a totally separate unit. What is going on here? Yeah, yeah. So that part of it isn't really great. Like 
I would even say a lot of it is skippable, which you can skip every cutscene just by hitting plus. You can just rip by it, but it's not to the point. I've seen some people on Twitter saying, yeah, it's so cringy. I started skipping cutscenes like halfway into the game and I'm not there. Like it's watchable to me. It's just not very interesting. And like you said, if you've played not even a ton of RPGs, if you've played three RPGs, you will have seen most of what happens before somewhere else probably told better than it is in this game. Which yeah, and is, to be fair, yeah, to be fair though, I've, I thought I'd heard somewhere there's a persistent rumor that this was kind of tied to the anniversary anniversary of Fire Emblem, and so I don't know if it was ever supposed to be like as deep as a main entry in terms of story and characters. It's really a celebration of all of the characters who have been in the series for the past what thirty years. So like. Maybe that's why it's just very light and fluffy in that regard. It's not quite as deep as, say, Three Houses or Fire Emblem Fates also gets pretty serious, right? Yeah. Like, all of these games get pretty serious at some point, And maybe that's just, you know, it, it's really all about celebrating the tactics and mechanics, which is where they put their focus. So I try not to down the story and characters too much. I mean, they're still pretty cute. You still have your your favorites. I just, because they don't have a chance to be any more in depth, I feel like in a year, I'm not going to remember any of their names. And I, that, that kind of makes yeah. me sad. Yeah, I already struggle to recall their names when talking about this <laughs> game. Like, oh, yeah, the Flower Prince. I, it's Alfred, I know. But it's like, I just I struggle to remember them because when I'm not playing it, because they really don't have that much of a role. What I will say about the characters, though, is I'm finding it hard to pick who I want when I can only select 10 per battle because there's probably 15 plus that I like how they fight and some of their skills in combat. And so I am really having to pick who to sideline, which is not really a problem I've had in Fire Emblem games before. Usually it's like, yep, I like these nine. These are my core nine and they're going to be that forever. But in this game, they're constantly throwing new units at you. You could recruit new units in paralogs like you've always been able to. Uh, and there's optional ones to recruit on main mission maps as long as you go up and talk to them, which is a serious staple. And every time I get a new one, I'm like, man, who am I going to bump out to to fill this person in? Because I like them and I like everyone I have. And so that has been fun. I do like how they fight. I like a lot of their designs. Some of the female designs are uh, not great. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for the they most went part, very full-blown anime. Yes. In that regard. Yes, which Fates did too. Three Houses was a step back from that a little bit, but this is once again full-blown anime art style. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And you're right about like, you have over, if, like if you don't uh, kill off your characters or they don't die because of permadeath, you'll end up with like 30 plus characters and you have to, you can only focus on so many. So you do end up sort of having a core team, but you always have that FOMO you know, feeling of missing out because there are so many characters. Each one has not just their personal skill and their class skill, but they can inherit skills from their Fire Emblem heroes if they have a strong enough bond with that particular emblem ring. And so you have, you know, with 30 character over 30 characters and then 12 emblem rings, you have tons of different possibilities. And like, like everyone has their own team that they love because of those different combinations of pairing the emblem ring with a certain class or a certain person who has a certain skill. It's just like a million combinations. Yeah. And that is, that is, that brings some hard decisions up of like, what emblem ring do you pair with which character? 
when you end when you get to level 10, you get the master seals, which allow you to upgrade your classes to a higher tier of classes. And those are fairly limited at the start. So you have to be really smart about who you pick to upgrade their class. And talking to a few other people that are playing this game, it's like I'm making completely different choices than they are. And that emblem ring mechanic just adds an entire another layer of customization to everything, which is very cool. It can be overwhelming when it's like, I really want this character to become proficient with this weapon so I can then upclass them to this class so then I can have a healer that can also attack uh, in, in my party. And it's like, it takes a lot of steps to get there, especially with the limited resources. Like the Master Seals aren't that common at the point I'm at so far in the game. So you really have to be smart about who you pair up with who and how you class everybody up and what you equip them with. And it is a lot, but it's also really fun to customize your army. Cause like if you've never played it before, it's like, it's like in D and D you have this character that you level up and you change their class and get their weapons. It's like in fire emblem, you have 30 of them that you have to all manage and pick who you want to prioritize. And that's something that I think is done really well here. I do think it's a little convoluted with the bondering mechanic you were talking about. That to me is like a step too far. It's like, man, because it's kind of like a gotcha thing. You, can randomly forge either one or 10 rings at a time using this, your bond fragments, this currency that you accrue throughout the game. And then every single past Fire Emblem hero has what, 40 rings? Because they have 10 characters and four levels for each ring that they can produce. And that's just a lot for me. That's just a lot to wrap my head around. And to me, that's the kind of element at the Somniel the, the hub world that if I cut out, I think the pacing would be a lot better because I spend too much time agonizing over what bond ring to make and who to use it on when really they don't even make that much of a difference and it's not even super worth it. I mean, some of them, I, I, I might I might say that some of them are once you get to A and S rank for those yeah. bond rings. Like I took a Bilas, uh bond ring ability and of course I, because I'm familiar with the cast, I knew exactly which bond ring to pair with what character. So if it's like Bernadetta, you know, she's going to have something that's really going to help an archer. Or, you know, for a strength and defense character, there, you know, there's Dimitri. So you have to put in the work, um, but they can give you a nice stat boost, which can make the difference in, in battles. But I agree with you, it's a lot of work, and it felt like there had to be a better way to do this, like because it, it does get overwhelming after a while. You're just like constantly getting bond fragments, and then you're going to you know the arena to spend them on one thing, and then you have to go to the ring chamber to unlock and like skills that you can inherit, and then put them on. Like it, it felt like there was a better way to do this without running around the map and constantly doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, because I basically already have this like order of operations I do when I get to the Somnial and it's like I run around, I gather all the fragments, I talk to the little weird anime dog dude that you get as your pet, I do all the support conversations, I go to the arena, I cook the meal, I submit the achievements, which we haven't really mentioned when you, there's achievements in this game, like for basically doing every single thing you do, making weapons, forging friendships, uh, recruiting units, deploying units, everything you do, you get achievements for basically and you earn bond fragments that way and then going into the ring chamber to forge all these things and then finally leaving off to your next mission and it is just a lot um but yeah it's not that big of a complaint because it really isn't that much of your time but it is just the one place of this game that i feel feels a little bit 
misguided, I guess. Like they really wanted those three houses elements in there. But the mini games, which we haven't even really talked about because they're not very good. There's fishing and there's weightlifting and they're just really shallow. There might be a couple others that I don't have yet, uh, but there's just really not much to them. And the rewards you get aren't really good enough for me, at least right now, to do them every time I go back. No, I, I felt like the whole thing of like weight training and everything where you're doing like push-ups and sit-ups, it's just an annoying mini game. I'm yeah. like, just this, this doesn't need to be there, especially because I have all these bond rings and here are them rings that are already giving me stat boosts. Like I don't really, why am I doing that? I actually stopped doing it after a while because I'm like, you know what? My divine dragon is so overpowered anyway. I don't yeah. really feel like I need this. Like I just maxed out her divine dragon class. And she's pretty much, un, you know, unstoppable on the battlefield yeah. now. So I'm like, I don't need to do this. I guess uh, we're running out of time here. Last thing I want to talk about is I think this game looks amazing. I really, really like how it looks uh, in, in the battles. I think that the art style really, really pops specifically on the Switch OLED. I have the OLED and I'm playing in handheld mode a lot. I still think of Fire Emblem as a handheld franchise mostly. And I think it looks just really, really nice. I think it runs great. It is certainly an improvement over Three Houses, which at times did not look or run very well. Uh, I think that the the art style I know is kind of divisive, but I think it works very nicely for this game and these characters. And I think that the the maps are really cool in that more than ever before, I think, when it zooms down to the battlefield to actually watch an encounter between two characters... You, they are standing in the exact spots on the overhead map. In some of the 3DS games, it's like it zooms down and it's like, oh, they're kind of where they're supposed to be. Like, I guess, yeah, they're standing in a, on a bridge and they're supposed to be. But they have created like a full 3D rendering of the entire map from down below and up above. So when they zoom down, they're literally standing exactly what it looks like overhead on the map. And then after the battle, you can even go down and explore the battlefield and pick up items and adopt pets and talk to your units. And once again, it's kind of shallow gameplay-wise, but I think it's a cool idea uh, that they did kind of just let you explore a little bit on the battlefield outside of combat and, and just take in some of how it looks a little bit more before you move on. Yeah, I, I actually like that. It was a pleasant surprise. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I, c- I can actually walk around the battlefield after a battle and see things on the on sort of ground level. But I'm I'm curious because we are running out of time, but I, I wanted to ask you sort of like who your favorite units are and, and which of your Fire Emblem heroes uh, do you do you kind of favor? Because everyone has a different answer and I'm sort of curious to know what the makeup of your your army is right now. Oh man, well it's tough because I don't know their names, but I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> um, my favorite emblem ring pairing is Micaiah with my Pegasus rider. What's her name? I don't remember her name. Chloe? Yeah, Chloe. Yeah, yes. They together are super strong because she can fly very, very far. And then when she's paired with Micaiah, she can heal anybody basically back up to full health. And then her main emblem ability is it restores the entire army to full health. So since she's a Pegasus rider, she can fly off to where no one can reach her and heal everybody, sacrifice herself down to one health. And I just really liked that because I kind of mentioned how I split my army into two halves and they go off and do their two separate things. I like having her kind of in the middle where she can go to either side as needed to heal everybody. I have Alfred with Sigurd. He's the horse rider from, uh, from the first region that you go to. 
and they're kind of the natural pairing. They're the one the game tells you. Like that's the that's where the Sigurd ring starts is with Alfred. And right. I really like them because he can move what fourteen units I think when he's engaged, which yeah. is crazy. That's crazy. He can move basically anywhere he wants. Uh, and then right now I have I have the Divine Dragon with Roy, and I have ATA with Leaf, who I just recently unlocked. Um, and I might be forgetting one, but oh, and then Marth I have with um, the older brother from Brodia, Damient. Is that his name? Uh, uh, is it, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Diam- Diamant? Diamant. Diamant? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's D-I-A-M-A-N-T. Yeah, Diamant. Yeah, so I have them together right now. We have, we have a couple minutes left. Who do you have that you want to shout out without You know, it's, it's funny how, like, you gain so many that, it, like, my starting lineup keeps changing. But currently, of course, besides, um, the Divine Dragon, I named her, I actually renamed her Arya after Game of Thrones. Because I was oh, like, yeah, I don't cool. know, she looks like an Aria. But, um, so, Pandreo, the high priest, who I don't know if you have him I yet. I do not. Okay, well, he is he is awesome. Not only is he aggressive on the battlefield with tomes, but he can heal, and also he comes with a warp stave, so you can start warping people across the map. And if you combine that with, say, a rescue stave, where you rescue people... You can wreak all sorts of havoc on the battlefield. That's cool. Yeah, so he's he's def- definitely part of my starting lineup. Uh, I agree with Diamant. He, uh, I, his advanced class is successor, and that comes with all sorts of like, like str- like he's basically. I wouldn't say he's a tank, but he soaks up damage really nicely, and he's pretty powerful. I also have Alfred. Kagetsu is the Swordmaster, and I love Swordmasters and Fire Emblem. They just cut down anything in their path. I have to keep them away from lances, but other than that, I mean, I can send out Kagetsu on his own, and he will he will just cut down anything and everyone in his path. I also have a dancer character who can perform a dance when they're adjacent to another unit, and that unit can go again. I love that class. I don't have a dancer yet. Uh, okay, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything more about it, but you do get a dancer, and if you pair that ability with the goddess dance ability that comes with Byleth, which also allows adjacent units to have another turn, you can you can just have people attack over and over again. So it's 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 really cool, like the different combinations of things you can do with these emblem rings and people's personal skills and their class skills is just so much fun. Yeah, yeah, it may falter a little bit in the in the storytelling and everything, but I think the mechanics here are really, really, really strong. And yeah, I'm glad it sounds like you've been having a great time with it too, but we are out of time. Uh, Megan, thanks so much for joining us in the boardroom. Is there anything else you want to say about Fire Emblem and then also share where people can find you? Okay. So people can find me on YouTube, both at history and apostrophe games, kind of like guns and roses. Um, and they can also find me on my personal channel, which is where I cover all the JRPG stuff at just Meg Sullivan. And also I'm on Twitter at M-E-G-H-A-N underscore I-G-N because I used to work at IGN for like 100 years. So that's where you can find me. And as far as more to say about Fire Emblem, just go play it. Go try it out. It's really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again so much for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning in to the Toadstool Boardroom. We're happy to be back after about a month off and we'll hopefully be having some rotating guests coming in here throughout the next few weeks as we try to nail down a full permanent cast. But Megan, thanks again. 
Have a great week, everybody. Right now, you can find the show on Twitter at ToadstoolBR. Email us, ToadstoolBoardroom at gmail.com. You can find myself on Twitter at Logan J. Plant. Have a great week. Until then, we'll see you next time right back here in the Toadstool Boardroom.